0: Into sports. Twenty yards out. First shoot. Don't oh. you? Oh, oh, my oh. God For Fabidio. Wow. and get into the all-new OTV Sports app. I think when he apologises to me, I
1: probably will say hello to him. Yeah, no. I'm... Videos. Sports news, live scores, interviews. If AbraGas is going to come up to me in the street and give me some of a mouth that he would have given me on a football pitch, what are you do? get a slap.
0: Plus, exclusive content on the OTB Podcast Network. The biggest names in sports. Ready when you are. Search OTB Sports on your app store and download it now. The OTB Podcast Network. With Green
1: Farm on the go. Snack smart with 100% natural protein-powered chicken bites.
0: Now then, it's a real pleasure to welcome back to the show Armin Katayan. He was part of the Tiger Woods book with Jeff Benedict. We've talked about it plenty of times on the show in the past. We had Armin on the show in the past when the book came out. And uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving, as we just said before coming on air, Armin, because you are uh, executive producer of the uh, HBO documentary, uh, Tiger two-part documentary series. Uh, you're a contributor as well, naturally enough. And uh, people over here can get it through their Sky Sports a subscription amongst uh, other places, but it was on HBO, two-part series. You've been busy. You're welcome back. Good to have you on.
1: I'm really glad to be on, Joe. It's, uh, it's been a while and I'm, I'm glad to talk to you again.
0: So what's your role in all this then? You write this book, this painstaking piece of work with Jeff Benedict, HBO, like the look of it. And then after you guys shake hands in uh,
1: one form or another, what level of control do you have over what we see? Um, well, I don't have a tremendous amount of control. I have a lot of... Um, Uh, opinions that I offer. And both Jeff and I were um, consultants. I think the EP role was more about um, us just acting as sort of guardrails in in a lot of different ways when the the directors, Matt Heineman and Matt Hamachek, and I particularly and Jeff spent a great deal of time with Matt Hamachek, who had a tremendous role in in the documentary. I think he was the overriding uh, vision for it. Um, So just to go back to the sort of the beginning of your question, when When the book came out, um, Alex Gibney, the uh, Oscar-winning documentarian, he bought the rights to Tiger, and then he went out and, um, you know, found the two directors, Matt Heinemann and Hamachek. And then we went out into this sort of bidding war between, um, as it turned out, it was between Netflix and HBO. And we thought in the end, because in those days, Netflix was buying everything, that we would end up on Netflix. But HBO came in and surprisingly came in with a number that, was a little astonishing to all of us, but they they bought the rights, you know, both in the US and in, through Sky and everyone else. So at that point in time, you know, we're a repository of a lot of information, um, having spent the three years. And so what we really were able to do was to, um, to utilize our connections to a lot of people that you see in the dock. Um, the relationships that we had built up over that three- year period, the trust that we had engendered with those people. so we were able to get you know quite a few people to at least engage with the directors so they could offer their vision of how they saw the dock going. And then what we were really a sounding board for a lot of what Matt Hamachek was thinking in terms of the architecture um, of the dock. you know it, ultimately it's a father son story um, okay, but where you know where do you get on the exit ramp? Uh, where do you get off the exit ramp, and how long do you spend on the road before you get off and come back on? And a lot of that stuff was more narrative arc, um, and so we had, I would say, quite a bit of influence. At least our voices were heard in terms of what we thought was important um, to engage um, the audience. And then finally, um, you know, we did not have Rachel Yuccatel in the um, in the book, but we had attempted to talk to Rachel several times and she ultimately politely declined. But when she read the book and saw the reviews of the book, she reached out to us and said, I'd like to work with you guys if this thing goes in another direction. And so we were able to put Rachel in touch with Alex and then ultimately in touch with Jenna Millman, one of the producers and Matt Hamachek to develop a relationship there where she felt comfortable sitting down in a chair for, I think it was north of eight hours um, mm-hmm. in the end. So um, nice EP title. I felt like we we were listened to. Um, and in the end, I was really proud of what we saw on the screen. And that ultimately is a, is a credit to uh, probably, I don't even know, 50 or 60 different people in the end.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a massive undertaking. This was the first time we'd ever really heard from Rachel, you could tell.
1: It was the first time. She had Never ever talked in the ten years since. And those that may not know, she was the the VIP hostess in New York and in Las Vegas that basically broke up Tiger's marriage. And um, um, you know, she was looked at as this as the home wrecker. She used the word whore. She said, you know, it, it basically destroyed my life. So this was her chance to tell her side of the story, and it's pretty compelling. I mean, and, you know, I know there's a number of women that are probably watched it. Um, But I know there's been a number of women that have watched it and really been engaged in it. And it's hard, you know, to look at somebody on screen saying the things that she was, Rachel was saying about her love for Tiger and that I think the intimacy of their relationship and not be angry about it. But at least I think you understand much better um, where Tiger was at that moment and how Tiger felt about Rachel, because I think In my mind playing the as we laughed before we came on the air um you know that amateur tiger psychologist i think she was the one that that he felt more of an emotional tie to than short of elon certainly anybody else that was in his life
0: Mm. so you spent a lot of hours of your life at this stage thinking and talking about tiger woods
1: yeah too many sometimes joe Mm. um it's been five years you know and it's funny when you think about it in those terms three on the book and off and on too on the docks. So, you know, it's, it's been a large part of my life and it's, you know, you mentioned it, it still, you know, finds its way in one door or another these days.
0: What's your sense of them?
1: My sense of them is um, what happened on the Memorial Day weekend 2017 was a moment of crisis that was rock bottom for Tiger when he was on the side of the road in Florida with this rockstar cocktail of drugs in his system Believing he was in California, his body was just a mess. Psychologically, he was a mess. I think you know, crawling out of that hole, um, getting healthy, getting clean, um, and being able to play golf again, there was a certain level of appreciation um, and a certain level of engagement and um, gratefulness that you know, I'd never seen in Tiger before. I saw him at the Farmers Insurance and. January of 2018, right before, you know, we were writing the last chapter of the book and I saw a different Tiger Woods there. It was at least inklings of a different Tiger Woods. And, you know, he's more engaged. He was more outgoing. He was more human. Um, you know, you can, you can start to, you know, go a little bit too far in the psychological evaluation of things. And I don't want to do that, but I do believe in my mind, this is as human and as, and as real uh, that Tiger has ever been in terms of his relationships with his um, his competitors. Certainly, um, he's been better with the media, better with fans. Um, I just find him, he's just happier. You know, you look at him, he just seems like the weight of the world has been lifted off of his shoulders and God knows he was carrying, you know, I mean, I don't even know, 12 tons worth of crap on his shoulders over the years. And so, um, you know, a lot of people, said to me, Joe, they, they were like, after finishing the doc, I had more, I had empathy for tiger. I felt sorry for tiger. And th- that word empathy to me is the single best word that I can hear from people is when they feel like empathetic to tigers, it means they're beginning to understand what he's been through. And God knows he was a, he could be a real jerk at times, but I think now at the age of 45, Um, he's as probably as happy as he's been. And that's just my guess from the outside in, but he certainly seems that way.
0: Mm. And not to put you in the position of playing psychologist again, but the natural follow on point. Is that his uh, childhood almost uh, made it inevitable that things were going to get tricky somewhere along the line? And that came across in the book, certainly. And I don't know why it feels all the more visceral with some of the pictures and some of the images and some of the contributions from those who were around uh, Tiger and his father uh, in, in their early days. But it, it packed even more of a punch. There was something almost tragic is too far, but. Uh,
1: oh i don't almost think so wrong. almost
0: think upsetting but yeah, yeah you can go tragic if you want but something really wrong about the childhood
1: yeah no question and i think you're right you know the printed word is one thing you know i've been in television you know for 30 plus years in the states network tv you, you can pack a punch in television and with video and when you actually see people really um i won't say the word suffering but the gears are grinding as they're trying to make sense of their relationships with tiger and how, you know, how their interaction with tiger affected them and be through that interaction. You get a better understanding of just a how cold blooded tiger could be at times and b just what tiger was going through from an outsider's perspective. And there's no question. It was a childhood lost. I mean, that's the price You know, when we talked before, I think one of the things I said was, well, a driving force for us always was, you know, two questions, who is Tiger Woods? And actually to me was most importantly, was what's the price of genius. Mm. And that, I think that comes through in the doc in a very visceral way in terms of, you know, we all watched him, we were awed by them, by his his feats, um, his absolute brilliance on the golf course, his killer instinct, all those things that we enjoyed. But at what price for Tiger? And I, in the doc, you really begin to feel it. Um, And there's some sequences there, particularly when you know when when the fall hits, and he basically is the, you know, he's the laughing stock, and he becomes a, a, a punchline for late night comics and talk show hosts, and everybody uses that his his fall from grace as an accelerant for their own um celebrity or their own uh, enjoyment or entertainment and to me um writing about that and witnessing it in in sort of in real live terms was appalling to me you know and it's worse now i i i think and i mean you can just look at some of the falls from grace i mean i'm in the states now morgan wallen who was the, the number one country music singer in the United States, was killing it in streaming services, came out of a bar one night in Nashville not long ago, said the wrong word and was just, was wiped off, you know, all the streaming services, all the country music stations in, not to say that he wasn't wrong, but the fall now is so precipitous and it can be so dramatic that it almost makes what Tiger went through seem elementary in ways. And that's just, that's a direction in our country that I just find, um, I mean, I just find it appalling and I just sometimes being a member of the media and just think I'm like one, you know, wrong word away from watching 35 or 40 years worth of reputation building go out the window. And that's frightening in a lot of ways. And so the fact that I'm even doing this, Joe, you know, cause mm-hmm. this could go a number of different ways and it could just be, you know, the next thing is like, did you say that to, to Joe? I'm like, no, 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 I didn't say
0: that. <laughs> you know, the, the, some of the most um, striking footage of the whole thing, the whole thing, and I'd never seen it before, is the footage of Tiger Woods interacting with the family of his first girlfriend as a yeah. late teenager. Man, he's happy and he's yeah. light. It's it's it, it, What struck me about it was the lightness. I've never seen Tiger Woods ever light. He's always... You know, he's got a lot going on and he's, yeah. he's um, miming, playing the saxophone and he's on his back and he's dancing deliberately in a dorky way and he's laughing a lot and he's quick to smile. It's, it's unbelievable footage. I've yeah. never seen it before. And, and that leaves an impact as well where you see, I, I, I don't know, a, 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 a paired back original yeah. Tiger.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. The first time I saw it, I'd never seen it. Um, I saw one of the rough cuts of the doc. And I had the same reaction you did when he was on his back playing the air sax. And he's just, it's like tiger unhinged, unleashed. Mm. You know, he's, he's a kid and you're like, Oh my God, I've never seen him as a kid, you know, in anything. I never saw him in a team sport, never saw him just laughing and being crazy. And, and I called Matt Hamachek and I said, where in the world? I said, did Dina, you know, the first girlfriend, Mm. first true love. I said, you get that from Dina? And he goes, yeah. I said, Matt, that is, that's just gold. I mean, I can't even, people are going to just, that to me, is, that's one of those pictures that speaks a thousand words and you really just, that's where you start to feel sad because you're like, oh my God, um, he, you know, A, we got to see it, but B, uh, that part of his life was was hidden and few and far between. Hmm. And then when you realize that, you know, Dina was perceived as a threat by by Earl and Tita, t- Tiger's mom, that they were worried that when they were together in, in, uh, and Tiger was at Stanford and Dina was at, in Las Vegas, that she would get pregnant and you know, that she would mess up you know the whole, uh, the plan, you know, the grand plan was gonna get derailed. And so you know, she was just summarily eliminated from Tiger's life, like mm-hmm. a lot of people who became a threat. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of, um, one of the things I really liked about the doc, is I think what Matt did, both Matt's did, was they took a lot of the, the elements that we were trying to bring across in the book and just elevated them in the doc in terms of you know, the, the price of genius, the cost of greatness and all that stuff. And you see it in ways that, um, that re- just really hit home um, more so than you can on a written page.
0: Mm. It opens up the broader question here about what's fair game. And I suspect that that question is one you faced a good bit over the last couple of weeks. And the word salacious has been thrown yeah. at the documentary for one thing. A number of different things jumped to mind. So I, I don't know if the d- documentary was, well, it must have been uh, consciously trying to illustrate this. But the role of the press and actually the awfulness of the press just loomed large over this whole thing. Like Neil Bolton from the National Enquirer. Yeah. You know, like, I'm sorry, it comes across in, in a hideous way. And he's like, this is American entertainment at its best, everybody, you know, roll up. Yeah. And this is a man's life that they're, uh, you know, destroying in, in some ways. Or you see Jay Leno and uh, how many mistresses Tiger up today and, and goes to the prop and he's up to 11 or. The women on The
1: View that were, you know, the, I mean, I was just like, you've got to be kidding me when yeah. I listened to that.
0: Jimmy Fallon, who's like ticking Donald Trump. Trump's belly a couple of weeks before, you know, a couple of years later when he's running for office yeah. before the, the election. Jimmy Fallon's, they're all, they're all at it. And, yeah. and meanwhile, this guy's life is in a very serious way, careering out of control. And and the press, it's just, it's just horrific. And it's hard to, to phrase this right to you, but for some reason the book maybe because if you're reading the book it takes effort and it's um in some way less accessible you have to almost earn in some weird way the 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 kind of nuggets in there and you have to uh, go through the book in its fullness and therefore you have a a deeper and nuanced view of tiger and so it felt in some way more acceptable but somehow for some reason watching the documentary and i'm not this isn't a criticism necessarily but let's let's talk about this like oh is this going too far? I feel like the, the the man's privacy. Where where do we have to just say, okay, Tiger, you've 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 dealt with this. Your kids are of an age now. This is just too much. We're we're into just the the horrible nitty gritty of stuff. And maybe There's, it's maybe a
1: calibration. we all... you know, it's a calibration, Joe. It's like a really you know, and I'm talking about a dial that you're touching and moving it, you know, a quarter of an inch one way or the other in mm. terms of, um, is this too much? And, you know, to go back to the word salacious, that that was thrown out by Mark Steinberg, who's Tiger's agent. Yeah. Um, and some other people in the reviews, I think it's fair to say, also brought, up, brought that up. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, this docs a lot of things. Salacious is not one of them, in my mind. There were places, had you wanted to go, and there are hints of it in certain audio sound that you can, when Lordana Jolie is talking about, uh, being in hotel rooms with Tiger where there were multiple women and, um, you know, we were his puppets. I mean, there were there, you could have gone down that road for um, several miles had you wanted to mm. in that period of his life. And, and we consciously, and I know, and this was not my call, but I was asked about it. And um, ultimately it was the directors and it was Alex Gibney's call is, you know, just how far down on that accelerator do you want to push? And mm. our feeling was, we didn't want to push very far, long enough and hard enough so people understand this period of his life where he's he's careening out of control. Um, but that also comes with trying to understand and I will never understand. I can't possibly understand. And I don't think very many people can. Um, the Michael Jordans of the world, maybe the Tom Brady's of the world, pick, um, you know, the Messies of the world and, in the, you know, um the great uh, soccer stars in Europe, uh, what it's like to be that famous and and to have anything and everything at your disposal should you desire it, especially in Vegas. Mm. And so I think we wanted to sit in Vegas for a little while to get a feeling of what he was experiencing there as he was as his world was opening. Um but in the end is you know could we have gone with more girlfriends and more of the salacious aspect of um living multiple lives i mean four five six different girls at the same time he was i don't know how in the world he was able to juggle all that but in a weird way one of the things that that Rachel Yukatel said that Tiger said to her was you have to learn how to compartmentalize and if you know anything about sex addiction, which I now know more than I could possibly imagine I was going to know five years ago. Um, As I mentioned in the doc, you know, it's a form of pain relief and it's not about the sex. It's like gambling or drugs or alcohol or anything like that, where you, you need that fix because your life is so screwed up in so many other places. There's only one or two places where you get any peace. The guy can't sleep. So sex is a form of pain relief. And I think inside the ropes is certainly was a form of pain relief for Tiger. That was a safe Haven for him. So, yeah, I mean, the media stuff, uh, Joe is just, it's appalling, as I said before, but to watch it unfold. And I think the directors did an amazing job of, of just, of, of maybe staying there a little bit too long, but, to really understand what this guy went through Mm -hmm. in that in that fall
0: yeah well that's fair and maybe the documentary is part of that process as well you know you're you're as a viewer you're definitely at moments thinking god i've no right to know this about another human being and so i feel a bit almost complicit or dirty here but that's i guess a way of capturing the awfulness of what he went through i guess another slight issue For a documentary like this, and last dance comparisons will be inevitable, you know, it's three hours, 15 minutes. And I mean, you need six, seven, eight parts. So in two parts, three hours, 15 minutes to give the downfall due treatment, it's going to have to take up an uncomfortable amount of real estate when it's three hours, 15 minutes. That's the tricky thing. I think some of that criticism, would have, um, wouldn't have been so, um, pointed if this had been a seven hour job and it had received yeah. the same amount of treatment. So that's that's a tricky one, you know. Maybe you need to do a six parter here.
1: Well, no, we 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 talked about that. I mean, it's it's all about decisions. You're making very adult decisions as mm. to what where are you going to go? How long are you going to stay there? What's the point of being where you're at? What are you trying to tell the audience? And 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 I've watched the doc now, the, the the final cut, probably five or six times. And I see different things every single time from the director's perspective, knowing what Matt and Matt were thinking about. And it's not just the two Matts. It was, um, you know, there were other producers that are very experienced, um, and not Alex Gibney notwithstanding. There's probably a core group of Eight or nine people that are that have real chops when it comes to making documentary films, Mm. and three editors that are looking at the same thing all the time. With one one paramount, I think, feeling in mind is is why are we doing this? What's message are we sending? You know, why are we spending um, any time in this area of Tiger's life? I mean, they interviewed I think thirty people overall 18, I think ended up in it in one form or another. Mm. And there were, I know a half a dozen people that I really would have liked to have seen in the film, but you're right. It would have been a five hour, four, six hour film. And it would have been multiple parts like the last dance. Um, you know, we've talked about, I mentioned to you before we started that, you know, there's a scripted series now in the works and, um, it, it'll be at least six parts, at least six hours. And I've now have seen um, the pilot, I've not seen the pilot, I've, I've read the script and that's still being worked on, but it's pretty far down the line. And it takes a very different tact than the, than the doc. And I think it'll it will spend time in areas of Tiger's life that will be ultimately revealing in other ways mm. about his personality, and about the price of genius, and about um, just the, some of the cruelty that he could show um, at times to people.
0: Well, because for, for me, I mean, the book, and I still just so recommend it to people, What uh, the defining aspect of the book for me, uh, maybe it's a strange thing to say, because it, it dwindles by comparison with the scale of the downfall. But actually what me and, and the guys on our, on our golf podcast here ended up talking about more often than not was the casual rudeness of Tiger day-to-day the rudeness you know the 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 exchange or as it was the non-exchange with uh, the uh, uh mark O'Meara's wife was talking to the woman who uh, tiger you know yeah. stayed in her house in augusta for years and she introduced herself and tiger hi it's my house you were staying in all this time and uh, blanks her just blanks her and says to mark Mira's wife you know we want to know when we're leaving the house or whatever and for me that real tiger versus where is he now you know has he genuinely softened was almost um one of the real cruxes of the book, and again, probably because we're talking three hours, 15 minutes, that's a, that's, that aspect of Tiger isn't explored and, and shown to the public. Like you could conceivably watch that documentary and not know uh, uh, Tiger's kind of modus operandi day to day. And that's, that's look, uh, when you're doing three hours, 15 minutes, you've got to start with, well, what are we leaving out?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a really astute observation in terms of what, what are we leaving on the floor? Mm. We know we have to go here, 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 and here, and here. Yes. Those are the pillars and the posts of, of the doc. We have to do that. But, I mean, Earl's personal backstory is so rich um, and you understand um, why Earl says so much of what he says when you understand that he grew up in racist Kansas in the forties and the fifties um, wasn't allowed to sleep in the same hotels as the other members of his baseball team was the best, one of the best players on that team um, and was subject to all sorts of racism. Then you go into the military where the discrimination and the racism is even worse in many ways. And what does Earl do? He does two tours in Vietnam and beca- does, he, he's a green beret And he becomes a lieutenant colonel. And then when he goes to the Navy course, where he is basically shunned by all the other military personnel, they they call him Sergeant Brown, Sergeant Brown. And he has to stand up and say, my name is Earl Woods. And it's actually to you guys, it's Lieutenant Colonel Earl Woods. And he kicks their ass in golf because that's what, that's one of Earl's ways to basically say, you know, F you to, to the, all the people that are think he's the servant. Hmm. So the richness of that story and then Tiger's mother's story and the fact that Earl was a bigamist. He was married to another woman when he married Tita. I mean, yes, from a, um, a dramatic standpoint. And that doesn't even begin to touch on Peggy Lewis, the woman that you, you mentioned from the Masters. All she wanted was a thank you. Yeah. An acknowledgment that she was actually standing there. Um, after they destroyed her house in Augusta, um, I could name John Merchant, another guy who was really responsible for Tigers raising so much money in Connecticut and across the United States for Tiger's amateur career so he could travel around the country with Earl. But when Nike came in with their $40 million and $1 million of that was going to go to to support minority golf in America. And John, who broke the color line at the University of Virginia Law School as an African-American, was on the USGA's executive board and was gonna control and help minority golf in America. He and Earl had one too many cocktails one day and and Earl was talking about he wanted the million dollars So he could do it. And John was like, There's no way in the world you're getting the million dollars because I know where that million dollars is going. And that was the end of John Merchant. Mm. And he was to Tiger at that period of time a second father. And like you talk about getting wiped off the the chalkboard, that was John Merchant. Never spoke to Earl or Tiger again.
0: Mm.
1: Um, And I could name a half a dozen other people, Stevie Williams. Like that in the doc where he's talking about, well, I knew I wasn't going to be his caddy anymore, but I never thought I wasn't going to be his friend. Mm. So that kind of cold-blooded, and then to listen to Tiger in the press conference where he goes, well, you know, we've got to move on. Things are different, you know, moving on. Who does that? Mm. I don't know. I mean, there are times when we were writing the book and I would call up Jeff, Benedict, my co-author, and I'm like, I really don't like this guy right now. I know. I mean, he's just hard I, to take.
0: And I remember saying to you in our conversation about the book, and people can podcast that chat and get a fuller uh, feel of things because there's no need for us to to reiterate things. But I remember reading the book, going, "I'm, I mean, this is such insight. No one, you know, this is brilliant. And yet the worry here is like, where are the people who have seen other sides to Tiger? He can't be all bad. He can't be this terrible. And obviously, they didn't want to cooperate with the book or the documentary, and so. You kind of have to go. Well, this is it." It's a. You know, these are the. These are the people who've been cut. Not yeah. everyone's been cut. We're not going to hear from them because they'll be cut.
1: Yeah, that's actually right. I mean, that inner circle around Tiger is probably. Uh, if there's a half a dozen people that are still in that inner circle, mm. uh, Brian Bell, you know, Mark Steinberg, his agent, um, you know, people from Nike that have been with him for a long time. But you can count them. I bet you on the fingers of two hands for sure. And mm. there's a reason they're still there is because they haven't said a word outside mm-hmm. of, um, of Team Tiger. Yeah. And, you know, that's the MO. And in, in, in people have said, well, Tiger didn't cooperate. And that's absolutely Tiger's prerogative. He could, and frankly, you know, Joe, I didn't, I didn't really need him to sit down for the doc, you know? And we didn't need him for the book. By that point in time, I felt like I had read everything of significance he had ever said. Um, including every book, um, every press conference. Um, and I was like, okay, what are we going to get that's going to be any different? Because it's Tiger's narrative in the end. Now, I do know he's working on his um, his own memoir or biography. And if, if I know the person that's doing it, um, if I'm correct, and I believe I am, um, he's an extraordinary collaborator. On the rumor
0: things. is it's the guy behind the Agassiz book.
1: It is. And that's what J.R. Moe Ringer. And that's, that's what I've heard as well. And if it's J.R., he also did Shoe Dog with Phil Knight. He was the ghostwriter for that. Um, If it's J.R., it's going to be a really interesting read Mm. um, one way or the other, because I know he's got the ability, much like a Gary Smith, you know, one of the things that Gary Smith, one of the greatest sports writers of the 21st century, um, 20th century as well, uh you know gary said i don't write about the leaves i write about the roots and if jr can get into the roots um and explore those i think it'll be a fascinating read i really Mm do um Mm -hmm. i'm just not sure tiger's gonna go there uh because it just isn't that's just not in his nature um breaking
0: breaking the habit of a lifetime wouldn't he and
1: yeah And I don't know, that's hard to do. It sure
0: is. Not least when, you know, another thing, I don't know, are we we all becoming more prurient as as time goes on? You know the way kind of society ebbs and flows, but even um, when he won the Masters and you see his kids there in real life and they're hugging him and then you see Charlie Woods playing at the golf tournament and everything. Suddenly they're no longer like the uh, faceless kids who, well, geez, one day they're going to grow up and Google the past. It's like they're there. And that's yeah. another reason why a part of me is like, geez, right. We, we just got to let this rest now. We just yeah. got to leave. What did you on. think of that?
1: What did you think of it at the PNC? Because I, you know, I looked at it and I was, I had mixed feelings to say the least.
0: In terms of?
1: Just Charlie being in the spotlight, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, it, was, it was, we,
0: yeah, it was, it are was we funny. going
1: back to that same <laughs> world again? And, and, you know, when Tiger was very protective of Charlie You know, he yeah. wasn't interviewed, Charlie seemed to really enjoy it. He certainly displayed a remarkable maturity yeah. for an 11 year old. But think, I just, um, like, how do you go to, how do you go to eighth grade, you know? Or mm-hmm. what is like six and five and six? Yeah, yeah, it's like sixth grade. How do you go to sixth grade? And you go, oh yeah, I'm Charlie Woods. Oh, Charlie, I saw you on television, you know, with your dad. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, are you, are the sins of the father being, you know, now on the, on the son? Um, much like Earl, I, I, I man, that's something that, that, you know, I'd want to lay down in a couch someplace and talk yeah. about because yeah. I don't know.
0: I don't think so. I mean, Earl is a different, different yeah. stratosphere, I'd like to think. And that tournament wasn't actually on TV. A problem with that is Tiger's just so damn famous that it was like Twitter. It just blew up. So every little snippet of Charlie went yeah. almost viral. I suspect Woods thought, you know what? Okay, there's going to be a little bit of fanfare, but this is an unbelievable experience I'm going to have with Charlie. And so okay. screw them all. I'm going to do that. I'm going to have fun yeah. and, and appreciate, like I mightn't be able to swing a club. He's had back surgery since. I mightn't be able to swing yeah. a club in, in due course. Yeah. Um, so like, it's a, a, yeah, like I'd recommend the documentary and, and, and people can, can, will get things out of it. Like other stuff does benefit from being on screen. For instance, The Apology. The Apology is not something from the book which looms large, you know, you read about it and you can, we've all seen it. But then suddenly in the documentary, when you get the different camera angles for the apology, what jumps out more than anything um, is like, like a lingering memory from the documentary is not so much Tiger, which is kind of horrific enough that he had to do this or that he chose to do it. It's what the, the camera shot of the crowd and it's like Tim Fincham and it's like his family and nobody yeah. can look at him. Nobody can look at it. Everybody has just their eyes to the floor and it's not out of disdain for Tiger. It's just out of sheer embarrassment at the awfulness that this is happening. How, why am I sitting, why is Tim Fincham sitting there?
1: Well, it was, I tell you something, it was a, it was, the call went out. Um, and I'll tell you a story that, you know, I haven't told many people, but um, <clears throat> Marco Mira was asked by, Mark Steinberg, Tiger's agent, to show up at the press conference in support of Tiger. Right. And um, Mark said, you know, Tiger would, uh, Steinberg said to Mark Mira, you know, who's like a, the older brother to Tiger for so long, Tiger would really like you to be there at this press conference. And Mark said to Mark Steinberg, well, if Tiger really wants me to be there, have Tiger call me and ask me. And that was, you know, I think... That was part of Mark's job was to fill that room with supporters. I go back and I think if I'm right, if my memory serves correct, there were like 12 million people around the world at some point in time were watching that press conference Mm. and the public humiliation of having to do something like that. And that was we could never quite get to the bottom of who was responsible for it. I mean, Ari Fleischer, who was, you know, a press secretary um, for George Bush and uh, was brought in as a media consultant. And I know in, in talking to Ari that a lot of the things that he was saying wasn't being listened to because they thought they were smarter than he was. Ultimately, I think it was a, um, a bow to his advertisers that yeah. they were just particularly to Nike. But so many of the advertisers jumped ship. Almost immediately, like mm-hmm. Accenture, which was a huge sponsor for Tiger, you know, go on be a Tiger in all the airports and all the all the ads and and the posters that were there. Um, I think it was an effort. It was, I mean, a damage control for sure, but the damage was done. And and I got to tell you, there were a lot of people to this day, and I don't think they're necessarily wrong. That a press release that said um, this is a private moment. It's between me and my wife and my family, and I am not going to say another word about it. Um, I mean, you, I, I in some respects, to go out and do what he did just threw more gas on the fire. Yeah, you know? for sure. I mean, I I, just, I
0: I I think today he would have sent that press release. Like it wouldn't have been as expected. I, I it was just so awful. And again, and I, but again. And, and, and the documentary and the book and this conversation is part of the machine. Like, let's not separate ourselves from it. No. And th- the machine next to this very human person making these very human mistakes, the machine looks every bit as reprehensible.
1: Yeah. Like, you know. It's- and I've had people say to me, you know, you know, how can you do this? You're taking advantage of Tiger. You never should have done this book. You know, you're exploiting Tiger's life. And I said, if I wanted to exploit Tiger's life, I wouldn't have spent three years of my life on this book, I would have done a hit and run job, found some salacious material, Mm. thrown it between two covers and walked away and not cared about what that damage that would have done to his reputation or my reputation. Mm. But in the end, when Jeff and I signed on to do this, we signed on to write the definitive biography of Tiger Woods and what is or isn't, or there'll be somebody else that does something I know I could have not I could not have given any more time or effort. We laugh about the fact now that you know Simon and Schuster was fabulous with us um Ian Marshall and out of the u k did just a wonderful job. i mean we I'm looking at it staring right out here, William Hill. we were one of the finalists for the sports book of the year for mm-hmm. William Hill, which is as prestigious as award as you can win in 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 um in the u k and um you know, we walked away saying we were working for minimum wage in the end, because mm. of the hours that we put in um, you know, I, I transcribed every single interview myself, because I wanted to listen to what the people were saying, not looking at a transcript. So I'm not asking for anybody, it's not a pity party or anything like that, but I'm just saying, those are the kinds of commitments that we made to write something that we hoped would stand the test of time. Mm. And okay. it has, yeah, and that's sure. all you can do. At this mm. point in time, at this point in my career, I walk away from this book saying, I could not have given anything else. And if somebody wants to criticize it, they have every right to, um, but I also have the right to defend what I did.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I guess to round this off then, as uh, somebody, uh, there's a, there, there are a few wise old souls in the documentary, but somebody makes the point that um, Woods winning at Augusta in 19, was not redemption, it's not a redemption uh, story such because he could win a golf tournament again. I mean, it's it's amazing that he wa- that he could. Uh, but but if we're to kind of look for some kind of redemption, him as a person, uh, and, and and maybe you're into the realm of just your hunch here and just working off the tidbits we get uh, publicly. But where do you feel he is? Because I think when we spoke two years ago or whenever it was, uh, the, the sense kind of was, you know, it, it really does look like a new tiger. And I would say that has continued. You know, it's been it's been that and more of that in the last 18 months, two years. Since I agree we spoke.
1: with you. I think he's. I think he's on, he's in the best place he's ever been in his life. um, Whether you want to call it emotionally, spiritually, um, um, psychologically, I think that the Tiger that I'm seeing with the engagement with Justin Thomas, the engagement with Rory, the engagement with, you know, Xander Shoffley, his, his, his crew down in, in Florida, that he plays with a lot. They see the side of Tiger, which is the side that's been hidden from, um, from the public for so long. I mean, he's so smart. Tiger's really smart. And he's, he's funny as hell when he mm. wants to be. Mm. But he just doesn't, you know, that has never been part of his public personality. So that coming out, I just keep going back to the word humanity. I think he's as human um, with human emotions, that hug of Charlie at the end, um, his arms in the air, his, the feeling of, um, just the roar of the crowd again, appreciating it. Appreciating it, may, maybe in a way he never did before, because he never thought he would be back to that moment again. Um, you know, we never tried to moralize. I never tried to get on the, the high ground and look down, because no. God knows, you know, I'm in no position to do that, and I think it's wrong. Um, personally, um, redemption is a funny word. You mention it because that was a conversation we had a lot about at the end of the doc are are we doing the redemption story or and then in the end uh pete mcdaniel the african-american writer who was very close to earl who was really sort of the conscience in many ways of the of the doc yeah um because he was channeling a lot of what earl had, had hoped for tiger um i think you know he's human just like the rest of us i think that's is that trite maybe but not when you look at it in terms of the architecture of the story and the arc of the story. For Tiger to even just get back to some level of joy and, and um, gratitude, mm. appreciation of what was, was happening to him rather than being that machine, as you mentioned. Um, he's I think more man now than he's ever been and the machine, thankfully has, has perhaps died a, um, a peaceful death in a lot of ways.
0: Mm because it was teetering there it,
1: <laughs> it went, sure it was it went the
0: other way it was looking... but
1: but the machine came back you know it's like you know at 12 at, at, in the masters know. you know and all those guys and like i said you know the f you do you know you have no idea what you're getting into and it was just beautiful yeah. because you know that was tiger yeah. so, and let's all remind you that's what everyone else was facing you know duvall and and uh, VJ and, and Phil and all the other ones that thought, you know, oh, I can knock him off his perch. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Know? So anyways,
0: he's kind of, he's just endlessly fascinating, magnetic, <laughs> you know, he's just one yeah. of those guys always interesting. Um, so listen, people can check out the documentary if they haven't already, like I said, uh, Sky subscribers will be able to get hold of it. And I'm sure there's other uh, ways and means it was on HBO and there's been huge interest in it. So Armgatian, who is also behind the book and, with jeff benedict which um is absolutely recommended really is and um, just such a good piece of work and, and there's nothing like it when it comes to tiger so uh, my man good to talk to you and uh you. you know we'll talk to you again at some stage I'm i
1: sure. hope so thank you joe
0: the otv podcast network
1: with green farm on the go snack smart with 100 natural protein powered chicken bites